Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, happy 45th birthday, Nomar Garcia-Para. It is Monday, July 23rd, 2018, episode 164 of the Anik and Florian podcast. I've gotten used to the video. I cannot see Kenny Florian today. I'm told he looks good. I'm told he's not wearing a hat, and you're ready to go, but I cannot see you. You can see me. Dude, I got my tan going on. I bet uh, you do. My hair's not perfect, but anyways, you're missing stuff. You're missing some stuff. I am. I'm missing out. I wasn't yeah. missing out yesterday. It was nice to have Ken Flo on the television all day Sunday. What was your call time yesterday anyway? My God. Dude, 5.45. But you know what? The flow was there at 5.30 because he's of course a professional. Of course you were. Just like for the podcast today, quarter of That's an right. hour early That's in right. your seat, ready to go. <laughs> Uh, so, but I would imagine too, when you have a, a baby, right? Like, mm. not like you're doing a 4 a.m. feeding before you got to go on TV right. all day. And I know those are long days, but sort of in a weird sleeping pattern, I'd imagine that you know, if you got to get in the shower at 4:30, you just suck it up and get in the shower, right? That's right. I was well, I was lucky that I went to sleep early. I was like, I got to be in bed before nine o'clock. I was asleep yeah. at 8:30. It was perfect. I was up before my wife and the baby. It was great. Wow. Yeah. Or do you not shower? Do you just go in there and it just looks that good naturally? I mean, I showered. I do the cold showers in the morning. Wakes me up. Yeah. So I I don't often start this way, but I just want to say we do appreciate all the feedback on last week's episode. In particular, a lot of people had some comments on the podcast. I agree. Ken Flo was absolutely sizzling, so he had a good week. Um, You certainly let him know, and we appreciate that because – this thing is sort of the little engine that could in a lot of respects. So so thank you for keeping it going. And believe it or not, the feedback really does help. Um, Ken Flo, we got a lot to get to today as usual. But yes. can we start with the mouth-sized gash underneath the actual mouth Bro. of Stefan Struve? <laughs> I mean, Marcin Tabor threw that elbow, and you Eesh. just knew that Stefan Struve was getting a free scar. And I don't know what, I don't know if you use glue for that. I don't even know if Dr. Florian knows what to do with a wound of that magnitude um, dude, these, some of these cuts, that, that, that did not look fun. I mean, you've seen his tongue pr- protrude through on oh, the Instagram man. photo. Uh, what a mess. Listen, you leave, you leave it open, you put your credit cards in there. That's what you do. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You just, you know. Now, yeah. listen, man, that was, uh, that, that was crazy. It literally looked like he had two mouths. And with the size of Stefan Struve, it probably was as big as some people's mouths. Uh, but, uh, yeah, nasty, man. That was a nasty cut. Stefan Struve, a very tough guy. But uh, yet another yeah. reminder, this is a tough sport, people. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And I, I think that was a, a good reminder for people like me. I mean, what do you think someone like me would do if somebody <laughs> used an elbow to slice my face open? Like, I wouldn't be grinning for everyone. Like, I can, you know, he's like excited that, <laughs> yeah, that he's he like, might be able to poke his tongue through. Just another day at the office. He yeah. was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Outstanding show in Germany if you like decisions. There were 10 of them. So if you like decisions, this was the show for you. Um, I wish I could share my text exchange with Ken Flo during some of these fights. Uh, That did at times seem interminable. But um, not even top five all times in terms of total fight time, Ken Flo. I mean, it did tie the record for decisions with 10, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the most fight time for a single event was recently – over three hours, three hours, four minutes, and 18 seconds of actual fight time. Forget mm. your three-hour broadcast window. UFC Fight Night 121, Verdum versus Tabora. That was an international show of some kind. But then UFC Fight Night 89, Rory McDonald and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in Ottawa, I believe. Um, I was a part of that. That's we number that. two. We called that one. 253.48, yeah. So 
So we've put in the time, right? Yeah. So we, you know, oh, we've, yeah. we've called three hours of fights. And, nothing, and I think, too, when you have such a memorable main event as you had this weekend and as you had with McDonald and Thompson, you, eventually in time you lose sight of the fact that at times uh, it, it was a very long broadcast. But yes. Anthony Lionheart-Smith, we talked about him on the show last week, 17-11 and 11 at one point in his career. If you recall, Kenny, we called his UFC debut in Fort Deleza June 8, 2013 on Fuel TV. May she rest in peace. Mm. And he was submitted with a knee bar, Antonio Braga Neto, right? He was subsequently released from the UFC unceremoniously at that time. Then he lost his next fight to Josh Neer. So December 14, 2013, Anthony Smith, Smith wakes up 17-11 and 11 for his career. You fast forward five years, four and a half years, 30-13, and 13, back-to-back finishes of Rashad Evans and Mauricio Shogun Hua to become a UFC light heavyweight title contender. This is an incredible story, and you got to feel good for Lionheart. If you know the man, if you know the fighter, he's put in the time, he's paid his dues, and and he's being rewarded handsomely here at this stage of his career flow. I, I love this story, and, and again, um, it, it's always impressive when someone uh, you know, has to leave the UFC and, and fight their way back. That's when you really know if they're really in this to win this, if they really want, if they really love what they do. And Anthony Smith, I think, had seven fights out of the UFC, uh, outside of the UFC, in order to get back into the organization, proving that he deserved to be there. Um, you know, finding some success at 185, then going up to 205 here, um, and beating two legends back to back. Uh, very impressed with Anthony Smith. And, you know, what's so great about Anthony Smith as well is the fact that this guy, he goes out for the kill. He, he's not going oh, out yeah. there to, to outpoint you or win rounds. He wants to beat you definitively uh, with his own hands. And uh, he has done that in his last few fights. So you mentioned the time outside the UFC. So he beat Victor Moreno, Brian Green, Andrew Capel or Capel, I apologize, uh, beat Tim Williams back-to-back, then Brock Jardine, avenged the loss to Josh Neer, returned to the UFC, beat Leonardo Augusto Guimaraes, setback against Mutanchi, uh, but then eat, beat Elvis Mutopchich, Andrew Sanchez, and a memorable comeback and finish. Mm-hmm. Hector Lombard, all of these finishes, by the way, got set back by Tiago Mejeta Santos, then decided the weight cut was enough and, and moved up to 205, right. where he has gotten rid of Rashad Evans and Mauricio Shogun Hua. So this is a huge result for Anthony Smith and it happened pretty quickly for him right this is a guy who has lost a fight here in 2018 and here as we cross the midpoint of the year as I mentioned he becomes a light heavyweight title contender immediately called out Alexander Gustafson and we're going to get into that story but I I guess at least as far as Anthony Smith is concerned the Jimmy Manoa fight seems to have legs but He's getting a top five opponent, and for my money, he certainly earned one taking out Shogun Hu over the weekend. And he gets it. You know, he's a guy who gets it. Immediately had Gustafson's name in his mouth uh, as soon as he got that microphone, and uh, he knows exactly what he wants to do. No fear uh, from Anthony Smith wanting to face Alexander Gustafson. There's not a whole lot of guys that want to face Gus right now. Right. Um, So the fact that he's calling out Gustafson, uh, obviously that's not going to come to fruition. But, um, again, this is a fighter's fighter. Uh, very impressed with this young man and, and also uh, the fact that you know his composure you know time and time again is the kind of thing that wing, wins him these fights you mentioned right. that fight against Andrew Sanchez you mentioned the other one against Hector Lombard he came back to win that fight in the third round by knockout stopping right. those guys uh, in the third round so this is a guy who knows how to stay composed uh, absolutely is proving that he deserves to be in the UFC and, and he's in the right division now as well and as you mentioned, he wants to fight Alexander Gustafson on 13 days notice, right? There are a lot of people that don't want to fight Gus at all and right. would love to avoid that guy like a plague. And Anthony Smith wants to fight him without a training camp to prepare for it, right? I think he understands the trajectory and what can happen if he beats the number one contender, Alexander Gustafson, or at least the guy who I think is the number one contender. But that is the guy who is the most dangerous fight in that division for so many guys, Daniel Cormier chief among them. So the fact that Anthony Smith wants that fight in 13 days speaks to a lot of things. Certainly speaks to the fact that he wants to, you know, fast track this thing and become a UFC champion, which he's been saying for a while and people used to laugh him off. Um, But it also speaks to the fact that he just does get after it and he feels like in a short notice situation – Alexander Gustafson's got his hand full trying to prepare for Anthony Smith as well. So a lot yeah. of finishing skills. you got to like the submissions, Ken Flo, too, as well. I mean, this is a, a prolific finisher. A lot of different chokes and submissions in his arsenal as well. So 
a lot of different ways to beat you and went to the power game to get Shogun out of there. Yeah, he has a, a tremendous amount of power, has a crazy chin as well. I mean, we've seen him get rocked and come right back. He will not go down uh, without swinging at you. So um, he likes his chances in the pocket. This is a guy who's very dangerous in the clinch as well. Now, is he a perfect fighter? Does Is he mistake-free? Absolutely not. But this is a guy that uh, in the 205-pound division can go very far. Yeah, and he'd be a big betting underdog, obviously, against Alexander Gustafson, and that fight is not going to happen for more reasons than one. We'll get into that and more things here coming up, but let's not keep a good man waiting. Ray Longo hates being on hold. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. So, Ray, I can't see you today. I, we like that you make the effort to be on video every week, but if you're ever driving and you need this to be an audio thing, uh, we, we'd still no, appreciate that contribution as well, you know? No, no, I'm good. I'm sitting in front of the gym right now. Of course. Oh, so you're, so you're not in the office. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like there's some ambient noise. You want me to, let, me, let me try to walk in the office. Hold on one sec. Maybe that'll make a difference. <laughs> oh, so the now, we're moving. So now it's a mobile minute here. It's a mobile Ray Longo minute. Brings so much value to the podcast that we will wait as Ray Longo goes from outside his Garden City, New York gym, now back inside to his non-air-conditioned office. If you did listen to the episode last week, you know that Ray had a little hard time with the heat in the office, so perhaps he was trying to get outside today. And they don't have great Wi-Fi, Ken Flo. It's not like May Rocky BJJ with That's that right. fiber optic shit, right? <laughs> Get that fiber optics at Meraki BJJ. We got we got eight G at uh, at Meraki. Eight G, <laughs> yeah, not even I, bet, out. I mean, the gym is so nice looking that there's got to be something like that or fiber optics or something. Uh, can you even park like a Toyota Prius at Meraki BJJ? Do you oh, allow? you're not allowed. No, no. Yeah. No. What about my my Buick Encore? Negative. Encore. Negative. So uh, while we're waiting for Ray. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do do with Anthony Smith because Alexander Gustafson is not going to be able to fight. It seems like yeah. there were reports that maybe on Friday he removed himself from 227. Of course, his initial opponent, Volkan Uzdemir, broken nose. He was out of the fight, so they were trying to find someone for Gus. Maybe Khalil Roundtree Jr. was going to be the guy, but ultimately that didn't appeal to Gus or he has an injury that he has to deal with. He's making the media rounds today, right. but... Since Anthony Smith isn't getting that fight, I think the Jimmy Manoa fight makes a lot of sense and certainly would be entertaining. Listen, I, I think so as well. Um, I, I think that's a great fight. Obviously, unfortunate, you know, with whatever happened with Gustafson. Um, again, it, it looks like he's injured or, or, you know, like you said, again, what is the benefit for him, you know, going from a guy facing a guy who just fought for the belt in Vulcan Uzdemir against, you know, facing someone like a Khalil Roundtree or maybe even Anthony Smith, um, right. you know, maybe not a lot, not a whole lot of upside, but right. um, I, I think, listen, I don't know if Daniel Cormier is going to defend the belt at 205 pounds. So all these right. fights are, are very important in that division. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens both with Daniel and, and his belt at 205 and, and these fights that could potentially happen. But I, I really love the Anthony Smith and Jimmy Manuel fight. Both those guys can crack. Both those guys are going to try to keep it standing, and uh, one of those guys will get knocked out. As far as Gustafson being ready or not ready, it seems like there's an injury there, so he wasn't going to be able to fight. But I yeah. think a lot of people would like to see these number one contender types, like an Alexander Gustafson, Take on a guy like Anthony Smith, who has some momentum, and just beat a guy in the top six or seven who had won three fights in a row, right? right. Like, a lot of people want to see these fighters be ready to go. If they're scheduled on a fight card to preserve their status as a number one contender type, they want to see these fighters compete. But it's just not that simple equation. Yeah. And I think you hit the rub when you talked about the upside for Alexander Gustafson. We can certainly outline... The downside of fighting Khalil Roundtree Jr. or someone as dangerous as Anthony Lionheart-Smith for Alexander Gustafson, right? But I do think, generally speaking, there's an old-school philosophy to a lot of these fans, uh, and perhaps there's some ignorance there, but they want to see these guys compete, you right. know? They want to see if, Gus, if you're on 227, I am paying on pay-per-view, I want to see Alexander Gustafson, and if it's going to be Anthony Smith, so be it, not my problem. And I think it's easy as a fan to sit there and be of that mentality. Right. And listen, there's got to be some kind of a balance between having fights that make sense, meaning like uh, similarly ranked opponents in that division, 
um, having some kind of meaning with that fight, if there's a storyline leading up to it, um, and also ha- finding the balance between the fights that people want to see, the fights that are going to deliver action for the fans who are paying money to see these guys throw down. So right. um, there needs to be that balance, and uh, you know, you get a guy like a Khalil Roundtree and Anthony Smith who might be and might not be in the top five, but those guys are very dangerous fights for anyone in that division, and for guys who are looking for that shot at the belt. They're going to you know, weigh the, the risk and reward and go, I don't know if that makes sense for me. And obviously there's a lot more people involved in making these decisions besides the fighters. You get the coaches right. and the UFC, of right. course, and all the people, the management that uh, makes those decisions. It, that's why it's it can be very difficult for a lot of these fights to be made. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you have to be impressed with what the UFC has done over the years to make a lot of these fights happen. You know, yeah. we see it in, we, or we've seen it in boxing so many times, all these fights that, you know, everyone wants to see, and they don't get put together, or they don't get put together until, like, five years later down the line. Right. Red Long, are you there again? I'm there. I'm right, raring to go. Oh, you sound good now. There we go. Yeah, look at this guy. Look, look. So we're just trying to sneak this thing outside today because the office is hot. Oh no, it's 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 a little better than last week, but we got okay. we're in a bigger office today. So, we so how breathe. about the uh, the slot machine on Stefan Struve's chin, huh? Oh my God! You know, I tell you, I didn't uh, I didn't see a lot. Of, I saw the last two fights. I saw parts of that fight, so I, I missed. Uh, I, I I actually missed that. Man, I do like cuts, right? Like, as a fan and as a fan of combat, you know, I, I get excited about cuts, and I was getting excited about that cut over the weekend. So we were talking about Anthony Lionheart-Smith, and I don't want to spend too much of your time on this because I want to get some updates on some of your guys, but this is a guy who in 2014 was down and out. He got cut by the UFC after one fight, then lost his next fight. He was 17-11, and 11, and here he is four or five years later, 30-13, and 13, and on the brink of, of contendership here, or potentially a, an eliminator-type fight. Just a feel-good story for me, and I think this is one of the, the stories in MMA that you can really get behind here. Yeah, no, no question about it. And I think because he survived all this time, he's going to be a real dangerous guy, man. Very dangerous. Well, obviously, he is dangerous, but, you know, I think he's gotten losses behind him. He's got, you know, everything he needed to get to where he's at and not it didn't deter him it's going to make him a really tough fighter to deal with he's got mark montoy he's down there with Camozzi and those guys so i think that guy's a dangerous one of the most dangerous guys in that division right now we talked a little bit about alexander gustafson and him not being available we're going to talk in detail later about tyron woodley and colby covington and the promotion trying to make that fight for september 8th but where does a fighter's obligation lie in your eyes if you're Colby Covington and you win an interim title on June 9th and they want you to turn around September 8th and fight Tyron Woodley? Should Woodley be able to call all the shots here because he is the undisputed champion? Or would you like to see Colby Covington, now that he's earned an interim title, get the benefit of a full training camp to try to complete the mission? Uh, no, I think Colby Covington, with that win over Dos Anjos, deserves the benefit of a full camp. But that fight has to happen. I agree with know? that. But I do think he he at least earned the right for a, to you know take a little time off and have a full camp. So you know, uh, but you know he's a young guy. He should be able to, I guess, bounce right back in there. But that fight has to happen. And if it's a matter of waiting a couple of more weeks, I think it's worth it. Well, Ray, let me ask you this. If if Colby isn't ready, he's injured or, you know, wants more time to get ready for Tyron Woodley, do you think it's okay for the UFC to strip the belt uh, off of Colby and, and give the fight to a Darren Till, which I think would be a, a very exciting fight as well. Darren Till, obviously, uh, getting the nod over Wonderboy. Um, in some ways, I think a lot of people would like to see that fight as well. Would you be down for uh- that? I would be down for that fight, but Kobe Covington deserves the fight. You know yeah. what I mean? And if, and if he's hurt, you know, uh, they could give him, you know, a, a month or two months, whatever it is. I mean, but I, I wouldn't strip. The, the guy just won the interim title. I don't mm-hmm. think he could strip him two months later because he's hurt. Like like a lot of other people in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happening all over the place. So, I don't, I, I look, I'm down for the till fight. I think Kobe Covington deserves the fight with uh, Woodley. That's the fight that should happen. 
And if it's a matter of waiting a year, then I would strip them. If it's a matter of waiting a couple of months, absolutely not. All right, Aljamain Sterling, huge fight coming up. We haven't talked to you about this yet. Taking on the 17-1 Cody Stamen, September 8th in Dallas. I have a strong conviction that this one might land on pay-per-view for you, Ray Longo. Uh, your thoughts on Cody Stamen, and, and I would imagine preparations are going to be getting underway here pretty soon if they aren't already. I think Aljo's in, like, Indonesia or something. No, no, Aljo's Aljo's back. right behind you. Yeah, he's right, right behind <laughs> You know, could have been a... See, I can't see. And Anik doesn't have uh, video <laughs> oh, here, no, so that's why. We're sharing the minute right now. We're actually sharing the minute with him. See, but I no, didn't Aljo... even know that. Uh, here I am asking about Aljo. I didn't even know he was there. How about that? Oh, I've been I've been flashing to him for the last 10 minutes. So does Aljo have a hot mic? I mean, I'm very excited about this fight. I love the fact that, that Aljo wants this fight, and Cody does as well. Listen, man, it's all about who's available, and uh, Aljo wants to stay busy. He's been looking great. Uh, I thought his last fight, he, he improved on a lot of things, and he's keeping it going in the gym during sparring. So, he's on. you know, when Aljo's on, he's on, man, and uh, he's going to be hard for anybody to deal with. I just like that he wants to stay busy. You know, you got these guys like Alexander Volkanovsky and Cody Stamen, 17-1, and 18-1, aren't easy fights for ranked guys, top 10 guys like Aljo. But if you want to stay busy, sort of to my point earlier, you take those fights. All right, Marab Dabalashvili then, at least according to him, is fighting in Moscow December, uh, September 15th, a week later. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put $200 on the table here, or we could do more. Uh, that says Ray Longo will not be going from Dallas to Russia to corner Morocco. <laughs> I'll be going. I'm going to Russia. Whether I'm leaving from Dallas, Aljo's been asking me that for the last five days. So I don't know why this is a big deal. but Because uh, he's trying to I'm... get with travel. I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm definitely going to Russia. I'll definitely be wow. in Dallas. Whether I come back for a day or two, that's the question. So. Uh. That's where we're at right now. But okay, so but good. you're going to Russia. I love it. Yeah, why not? That's a that's a lifetime, you know, once in a lifetime thing. I think for most people. Good. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna embrace that Khabib hat and run around like a lunatic. <laughs> I just I mean what I did I didn't know how far you traveled internationally or how often you did, but uh, I'm pleasantly surprised surprised because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Barab's a better fighter with you in his corner, obviously. Awesome. Yeah. No. no and I'm excited because you know that's where he's from. I think his Georgia, the Republic of Georgia, is maybe two hours away. So he's really yeah. excited for that fight. And, uh, you know, I mean, he brings it no matter what, but I expect him to even be more ramped up than he normally is. And Terion Ware's a good fighter, good stand-up fighter that I know you'll be prepared for. So, uh, all right, my man, yeah. well, well, thank you for the extended time. Sorry about the technical difficulties, but uh, I know you've, you've faced worse adversity in your day, Ray. I think this is, uh, you know, they say don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, this is exactly what they're talking about. That's right, right here, and we're not I'm... sweating, Kenny. Never. We got ice in our forward. veins, Ray. Exactly. Yeah. You're the ice <laughs> man. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the, the two hundred two hundred bucks is in the mail. I'm not even kidding. I will send it to you. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised you're going to Russia, man. I'll well, talk no, to you no, no. Wait, 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 wait till I show up in Russia. Don't no, don't be premature. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, once I see you in that corner, the, exactly. the checks in the mail. Then you, then you can All put right. the check in the mail. All right. Sounds good. Aljo, Ray, take care. All right. Take it easy. See you guys. Ray Longo with his weekly minute here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So in terms of this Colby Covington, Darren Till, Tyron Woodley triangle. So essentially, it seems as though Tyron would like to fight at UFC 228 September 8th in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And strategically hard to blame Woodley for trying to get Covington to turn around here quickly. Here's what Colby said to CBS Sports Ken Flo. We're looking at doing it in November, December. You know, I need a little time off. I need to do a little recovering. I'm only human, man. I got to get a little vacation. I just can't keep running my body through the ground, going through training camps. You have to be strategic, and you know November, December works for me. I had little health issues after my fight. I'm getting those taken care of, and by the year's end, I will unify my belt and retire Tyron Woodley for good. So... Depending on which angle you approach this from, it's easy to make an argument. If you're the UFC, the promoters, certainly they need fights. Mm -hmm. If you're Tyron Woodley, as I mentioned, maybe you're trying to get Colby Covington to turn around quickly. But as far as I'm concerned, Colby Covington just won one of the toughest fights in this division against Rafael Dos Anjos to realize a UFC belt for the first time. Granted, it's the interim welterweight championship. But I would like to see him afforded the benefit of a few weeks off and a full training camp 
to unify the belt with Tyron Woodley in an undisputed championship situation in a fight between seemingly the two best and most deserving guys. There's heat between them. Like, what am I missing? I mean, I love Darren Till. I think that's an amazing fight. And yeah. maybe if he had made weight for the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight, I, I wouldn't feel so convicted about this. But how do you not make Woodley versus Covington? Listen, I, I think uh, Covington absolutely deserves uh, that shot against Woodley. Um, you know, he he did. He had, a, he had a very tough fight against Dos Anjos. He went five hard rounds. Um, and... Yeah, I think, you know, if you could wait another a few weeks till both of those guys are, are injury-free and, and want to fight, I think it makes sense. However, uh, from an excitement standpoint, what do you think is going to be a more exciting fight? Till, I, Till Woodley sure. or Covington Woodley? Well, I, and I understand that, and, and obviously I go back and forth and speak out of both sides of my mouth in terms of promoter and fan and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of excitement level on paper mm-hmm. – Sure, I think that that fight has more upside. So I wouldn't, I could understand why the promotion would go that way. And I right. guess how do you how do you not strip Colby in that situation? I mean, I guess there's a way you could have Woodley and Till fight, have Colby keep his status as the interim champ, and then if Till beats Woodley, um, then his first defense. I mean, I think either way, Colby's next fight is going to be for the undisputed championship. So I don't think mm-hmm. it's a huge deal. For them stripping the interim, it's not comparable to the Tony Ferguson situation sure. necessarily. But I don't know, man. I guess I just – I mean, I, I just like when there's legitimate animosity in these matchups, and sure. I don't think there's much fabricated about what's going on between Lud- Woodley and Covington. And I do think Darren Till, his future is going to be in these championship fights. I just – that is as anticipated for me, just to see them stare down and everything that goes with it. And, and, and maybe the fight would overachieve between Woodley and Covington. But for me, it's like, I just want to get there. I want to get to fight week. I want to see the fight almost be canceled because they almost fight at the way in. Like, I just want all of that hype and everything that comes with that matchup. And the fact that I woke up to the news that we might not get it, I just was very surprised by, you know? No, absolutely. And, and it's frustrating. I know Tyron Woodley is frustrated. I know the UFC is frustrated. All all parties really are frustrated. And, um, again, I, I want to see both these fights. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I, listen, action-wise, I think, um, you know, Darren Till and Woodley would probably deliver a more exciting fight. Uh, but as far as building up the fight, listen, Darren Till can hype up a fight, but I think obviously you get all that bad blood between Covington and Woodley. Um, obviously, that I think that could do very well uh, as well. So um, both excellent fights. I, I hope they're able to make that Covington and Woodley fight uh, happen. Um, and uh, we we will see we will see man and it's been a little while since we've seen Woodley so um, yeah I know he I know he's been training hard and uh, he's ready to go well and if they do need a headliner for 228 at, or 229 and Colby can't speed up his timeline you know hopefully Tyron Woodley would take the Darren Till fight I I think he called it a shit show publicly so I guess we're overdue to talk to T Wood here on the podcast and see what he has to say about all of this yeah. but. Uh, Hopefully they can make a fight one way or the other. I think last appearance for Tyron Woodley was uh, was July of 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But interesting stuff there nonetheless. Interesting stuff when it comes to Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson as we sort of put a bow on this whole Lionheart Smith, Shogun, Hua situation. Shogun's out of the mix now, obviously. And I do think Shogun Hua will fight again. He still has won three of his last four on paper. But Shogun Hua is not going to be fighting Daniel Cormier. Kenny and I were never really of the belief that DC was going to defend the light heavyweight title. At least I can speak for myself. I just thought that was not going to happen. Him cut the weight and everything that goes with it. But Daniel, with some very pointed remarks to Alexander Gustafson, one of his foremost rivals in his career on Instagram, here's what DC had to say, Ken Flo. Dear Alex, I don't know what happened to you going back to the Rockhold situation. You've always been a stand-up guy, but your behavior changed from calling a guy out the day after he got knocked out to now offering to fight me, knowing I have a broken hand after Vulcan couldn't go. Now you've turned down Jan, turned down Khalil, all while calling for a heavyweight title fight. And now moments after Anthony Smith does his work like an animal, you decide you're hurt. Man, I respect you as a fighter. I will always be grateful for October 2015, but you and I won't share the octagon again. I'm disappointed in whom you've become. You're so entitled, man. I can't deal with delusional people. Good luck recovering. Our time has passed. See you from the commentary table, DC. Hashtag, we go our separate ways. Hmm. With a picture of them literally from their fight at UFC 192, walking in different directions. So, 
we thought the rematch was a huge reach and wasn't going to happen between DC and Gustafson to begin with. We also now know that Gustafson reportedly informed the promotion before the Anthony Smith result even happened that he was not going to be competing at UFC 227. So there is that layer to it as well. But your thoughts, Ken Flo, on what Cormier had to say about Gustafson and, and his line of thinking on a lot of these things. Listen, I think Daniel's probably frustrated. You know, uh, if you want to build up fights, you need a guy who's going to come in, who's going to be reliable, who's not going to be injured, a guy who has been pretty consistent that's bringing a fan following uh, into the fold uh, because you want the biggest fight possible. Now, Gustafson, that aside, Gustafson is a tough out. He is a tremendous fighter, a guy who can absolutely be a champion in that division. We can bring up the fact that his fight against Daniel Cormier was very close. His fight against John Jones was even closer. He could have won that fight. A lot of people believe he actually won it. Um, it, it was an unbelievable fight. He's a great fighter, but uh, he hasn't been very consistent lately. And, and I know him. I know his manager, both uh, great people. Um, but it, it's going to be tough to ask for these big fights if you haven't been that consistent and if you can't build up a, a good fight. And, and I know he's asking for that fight. He's doing his best in, in that regard, but um, not being consistent and, and being injured uh, consistently, consistently isn't the best way to build up a fight and ask for a championship fight. Right. No, I think those are all fair points. And, and yes, I know his manager as well, Nima. So good eggs, good people yes. and outstanding fighter. I mean, when I'm having a conversation about the best fighters in UFC history to have never been belted with an undisputed title. I mean, that conversation for me starts with guys like Alexander Gustafson, yes. Chad Mendez and the rest. Uh, all right. Back to that stuff in a second. Quickly, though, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you will ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. So here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once you're verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. So to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash anik, rocketmortgage.com slash A-N-I-K. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, now we go to the guest line and joining us, good friend of the program here, folks. He is the Pro Fighters head Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach at American Top Team, Grandmaster Carlson Gracie, fifth-degree jiu-jitsu black belt, and a man who this past weekend won his final mixed martial arts fight at a ripe 45 years old. The great Pahumpa Marcos Damata is with us. My man, how are you? How are you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here uh, for the first time. I, if, if, I, if I knew that just... Uh, I had to retire to, to be in the podcast. I would have ah. done it earlier. <laughs> I, I regret that we haven't had you on sooner. I know at times we've <laughs> talked about bringing you on just from a coaching standpoint, and we'll get into some of that. But I want to talk about the MMA fight and wish you congratulations because you're a guy who didn't make your pro MMA debut until it was two weeks after your 34th birthday. And, and as I understand it, you really started fighting just to become a better coach to pro mixed martial arts athletes. Correct. Yes, um, you know, to be to be in a room with uh, with killers, you know, you have to exert yourself. You know, and in the early stages of the American Top Team, I had to teach guys uh, black belts to go to uh, mixed martial arts uh, important fights like uh, uh, Jay Z or Aurelio or Herbie Stronka, uh, Wilson Bove and all uh, Tiago Pitbull, Alves, Gleason Tibau. So <clears throat> I knew that I had to excel myself on my jiu-jitsu game. So for that, I started training with them and I was kind of like doing pretty well, you know, on the mat. So I said, you know, I'm going to test a little bit, you know, to see if my game is going to be uh, good enough for MMA so I can keep evolving. And that turns into like a, an obsession that to get better and better for them and, and maybe fight. The original idea was actually just five fights, but now I ended up my career with 15 fights, which, uh, 
I'm really glad that I've done it. You know, Pahumpa, it's it's inspiring, man, what you've done. And obviously, this weekend you fought, you were successful. How did it go for you, man? I mean, you know, it was it was it was really hard, Kenny, because yeah. uh, three three and a half weeks ago I was in Europe teaching a lot of seminars, and both of you guys know how how traveling affects your training, how traveling affects your diet, and your your sleep, you know, and. Unfortunately, I don't travel business class, you know, so in and out of the airplanes were, were, were a hassle for me, you know. Yeah. So when I got back home, um, it was three and a half weeks to prepare for a fight against a guy that could be be my son. He's 20. He was 25 years old. Wow. I'm 45. Right. You know, um, obviously, he was not a monster, a, a very skilled individual, but just being 20 years younger than me, everything is more difficult. Everything is, is a fight for every inch of every single second of the fight, you know? And the weight cut was horrible. I had a, had a, a few incidents that I was not proud of, but I had to do to make sure that I give example that I was going to make 40, uh, 46, you know, and come out, you know, give an example to the young fighters that it doesn't matter. Your contract weight said 146, you have to make it. You know, right. I made, I recover as much as I could. I recover as well as I could. And I think at the end of the day, my experience took me to the, to the win and to the submission that I was, what I always wanted, you know. Yeah, well, it was another beautiful display of jiu-jitsu, man. And, you know, for, for you coming from that jiu-jitsu background, how have you seen jiu-jitsu, um, I guess, advance and uh you know, just just going from what you knew as jujitsu to what the sport is now, and also how it it's evolved from sport to the mixed martial arts element. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, I, in my opinion, uh, there's three ways that you can approach jujitsu, and those three ways are completely different than each other. Even though it look it may look for for a, a, a bystander, it look like the same, but it's not. One approach is the jiu-jitsu with the gi, which we have all the, the, the tournaments, the competitions, the sport jiu-jitsu. And then um, uh, uh, after that, you always go into a phase of the no-gi grappling, which is another part of jiu-jitsu, which is obviously you don't have a gi. There's a, more, a lot more uh, leg attacks and some things that are, you're not allowed to do in the gi, but you, do, you are allowed to do a no-gi. And then on top of that, different than the other two ones is the jiu-jitsu for MMA. If a black belt do not understand that you will have to deal with three different martial arts, you will not understand jiu-jitsu for MMA. I can give you two amazing jiu-jitsu players. One of them, to me, is the greatest of all time. His name is Marcelo Garcia. I had the privilege and the honor to train with him at American Top Team and to train him for his fight. You know, that guy, you can't, I, I don't have the words to explain how I feel about that guy. But if you see his MMA fight, he did not trans, transition very well. Mm. Another one is Brawley Estima, who had, I think, maybe one or two MMA fights, but they were not great MMA. He got the job done. Even though Marcelo couldn't, but he uh, Brawler got the job done, but was not, uh, I would say, Jiu-Jitsu for MMA the way I see Jiu-Jitsu for MMA. You know, so there are so many elements. If you don't use wrestling or judo to take the fight to the ground, you're not going to be successful. If you try to shoot from far, the wrestlers nowadays. Oh, let, let me rephrase. Not even the wrestlers. If you get a guy that you know wrestling high school, for example. Maybe one season, he knows how to defend a double leg pretty easy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, don't, if you don't set up with your punches, now you're putting punches to set up a double leg takedown or a single leg takedown or set up your clinch that you can actually go to a judo throw. And on, when you get to the ground, use your ground and pound to set up your submissions. You're not going to be able to pull guard. You're not going to be able to do any kind of beating ball 50-50, any of those in MMA and be successful. You know, so it's such a complex game. And now I see that people are kind of like understanding a little bit, but it's still there's a lot of, a lot of people that has so many holes in, in, in jiu-jitsu for MMA that I see. Yeah. 
Marcos Damata, American Top Team, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. So as many of you know, my jiu-jitsu coach is the man on the line right now. I've only been to five classes in my life, but Pahupa taught all of them. But I just want to set this up very quickly because I don't know if I'm a bad friend or if I'm a good friend, but I was in the building for your final pro MMA fight this Saturday night, Palm Beach Convention Center. I was there for three hours and 15 minutes. I was there for the first 12 fights or at least 12 fights total. But but my man, I, I, I left before your fight. And I don't know that my intention was to admit this to the masses here today, but they do know that I have a three-week-old baby. So perhaps <laughs> that gives me a little bit of a leash, my man. But I wanted so badly to be able to watch you compete, and I had to race home and be home by midnight when I turn into a pumpkin. So I apologize for not sticking it out, um, but I was very thankful that you got the win, and it was by Kata Gatame. My research tells me maybe the first head and arm choke win of your MMA career as a pro. Is that true or not? No, actually it's funny because uh, I had 15 fights. My first, very first, my debut, I finished with the Kata Gatame. Okay. And now I closed down my career with the Katagata. This is okay. so random, you know. So, uh, so how do you feel about our friendship based upon me leaving uh, before your fight? <laughs> no, man, I totally understand. You know, I knew that was going to be uh, uh, a little late for a lot of people. You know, I just wish some of the decisions would be knockouts before me so right. everybody could make it, you know. But I understand, you know, especially you that you have, you know, a baby at home. But um, you were there in spirit. You know, you saw the atmosphere. I believe I there was a, a lot of people cheering up for me. When I came out, I felt the, the, the energy towards me, you know. It was, it was great. It was great. Good. A lot of ATT representation. Dan Lambert, of course, was there. Enrique Barzola. I saw Pedro Munoz there. Pedro's got a fight coming up in L.A. actually on August 4th. So, all right, a couple more things before we let you go. So, next travel for you, next UFC cornering assignment. When will we see you next? Right around the corner. I'm going to Calgary for Gajmuraj and Tigulov, um, Nina Ansaroff. Right. And uh, Joanna, Dusty Poyer, all the trips, you know, even though I'm not going to corner all of them, but I'm right. going to be there helping them out. I'm going to be cornering Gaj Muraj against Ian Kutelaba. And um, uh, I guess uh, that's it. <laughs> I'd rather corner. It's amazing Here, hearing you just rip off those names in your second language. Gads Morad Antigulav facing Iwan Kutelaba. Um, so Dustin Poirier in that main event in Calgary, how much have you worked with Dustin? I know how excited Mike Brown is about him. How much time have you spent with Dustin over the last couple of years as he's reemerged at 55? Yeah, not, not much. You know, Dustin's a very good friend. He's, a, he's an amazing uh, a fighter, but he likes to do his things uh, with the uh, separate, you know, and um, I've helped him. Of course, I helped him on the medicine. Every time I see him making a mistake, I go there and talk to him, you know. But I like to um, to always go through uh, uh, his his coaches through, you know, just to respect everybody, you know. I uh, the answer I helped him, but I'm not deeply involved in his camp. Yeah. All right. So last thing, in terms of the the fighters that you work with right now, whether it's a fighter in the UFC at American Top Team or a fighter outside the UFC. Can you give us a name of someone that you're really excited about? I hate to make you single somebody out, but maybe a name that we're not talking about that you think is making the right strides to eventually make some noise. Yeah, sure. Tiago Moises. He was the RFA champion, uh, 155-pound champion. Um, They merged to LFA. Unfortunately, he lost his belt, but he came back uh, last show with a beautiful submission win. He had the submission of the year, the helicopter um, armbar. I think right. it was a couple of years ago. You know, yeah. he's a he's a monster. He's a guy that you guys should be looking up to. You know, should should uh, I think he's going to shake a little bit of the division because he's the real dude. He has jujitsu, has striking, has wrestling. He's really young, even though he looks forty, but he's like he's like twenty two, you know. But <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a he's a monster. He's he's gonna be cool. the one that I'm really excited about it. All right, man. Well, congratulations on a big weekend. I have not ordered the Dolomer mats for my garage yet. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to to strengthen my core first, but as soon as I do that, we're gonna start those privates in my garage. God fucking help me, but we're gonna do it for sure. And I was really looking forward to go to LA next week because I was gonna visit. Meraki BJJ, yes. but but unfortunately I'm not going to LA. I'm going to um, 
New York for for Rashid. Oh, yeah, for the, the another show for the PFL. Uh, Thiago, uh, I'm sorry, Pedro Munoz, who was in my corner in my fight, he's going to be taken care of right there. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to visit you, Kenny. Dude, please, uh, you're always welcome, man. And uh, parabéns, man. That, that's awesome, Thank man. You're you an inspiration. So Thank you All so right, much, guys. Marcos Damata, congrats on going out in style, man. Your son with you there in the cage. What a moment. Very happy for you, man. Thank you so much. Honored to be here, guys. I'll see you guys soon. Take care, All right, brother. There he is, Marcos Damata, Pahumpa. Originally, Pahumpina, because right. Ken Flo knows. And when you, can, Kenny, can you just say Pahumpina for our audience Pahumpina. if you don't mind? Pahumpina. Oh, this just sounds He's so fucking good off your tongue. <laughs> so, according to Rafael Diaz, fellow mixed martial artist, American top team member and, and friend of Pahumpa. Um, and this comes from like an internet chat room, but Pahumpina um, came about because there was a famous figure in Copacabana where Pahumpa spent most of his childhood days. Uh, Pahumpa was a family name and looked a lot like Marcos. So his friends started calling him Pahumpina, which is small Pahumpa. And exactly. it seemed he graduated to, uh, to Pahumpa. And now he is affectionately known uh, in the MMA world as Pahumpa. Yes. Hell of a jiu-jitsu coach. Yep. And I can speak from personal experience a little bit, of course, but big picture, he trained a lot of UFC guys and names that you've heard of. Nina Ansaroff, you heard, going to compete soon. Antonio Carlos Jr., who, who may not get a slot at UFC 227, but good egg right there. And what a pussy I am for leaving early, Ken Flo. I mean, now Seriously. is the time of the show where I defend myself a little bit. So I was going to be gone from 7 to midnight, okay? So I, I, I missed out on bedtime, right? My wife's got two daughters, six and five, and then our newborn. So, you know, I mean, I show up. I was there at 8 o'clock. He said he was going to fight around 10. I didn't know he was in the main event, you know. So 10 o'clock comes and goes. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm fighting it, man. I'm exhausted. You, you, missed, a like lot, some... you missed a lot of my fights as well, all right? I mean, we didn't did. know each other I at did. the time, but, right. you know, still, you missed them. So I went back and watched every goddamn yeah. one of them. I couldn't <laughs> find footage of Pahumpa's win over the weekend, but... Yeah, I mean, so 11 o'clock rolls around, and I'm like, you know what? I, I got to go. I got to go. You know, I, there's another you, fight. Man. It wasn't walking until 1145. I don't know what to tell the you. The local like, shows you can never predict, man. They go so long. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. I mean, again, tremendous, tremendously weak-minded individual I am, and, and there's my public apology. No. I mean, you, you can imagine kids. what I feel you like, You got though. three kids. That's it. That's the ultimate excuse for anything. You can imagine the emotions, though, right? Like, I—, I I made the commitment. I wanted to go support right. someone who's been very supportive to me and train me in jujitsu, however limitedly. And and then to be walking back to my car, having not seen the guy fight. I mean, lucky I didn't punch a goddamn hole in my car yeah. instead, window. Instead, you supported guys you didn't know for three hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, yeah, I did. And good. I'm just hoping that they get to the big show so I can say, <laughs> hey, you know what? July 21st of 2018, I was there. At the right. Palm Beach County <laughs> Convention Center when you went the distance with that other guy. All right. Uh, all right. Good stuff there uh, from Pahumpa. Last thing before we spin this thing forward to the main event challenge and what is a big weekend in Calgary. I want to get your thoughts on this co-main event between Glover Teixeira and Corey Anderson mm. because you picked Corey Anderson about a plus 180 or so underdog. I know Mark Henry texted me right after the fight. He said, I thought the price would have been a little sweeter for Corey. Mm. But this was a huge win against a very strong grappler in Glover Teixeira. Yeah. And I thought largely a near-perfect performance from Corey Anderson on short notice, worked the jab very well. And when he gets that body locked with his persistence and his cardio and everything else, Corey Anderson's a real problem. We've said it on these airwaves for a long time that depending on the matchup, Corey Anderson is going to be a real threat to a lot of these 205ers. Well, he was worth the uh, underdog bet because of the way he matched up against Glover Teixeira. Glover is dangerous on the feet. He, he definitely hits harder than Corey Anderson, has more experience there. Uh, and he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but he doesn't really uh, get the job done when he's on his back. You know, from his guard, he is not as much of a threat than when he's on top on the mat. And uh, for Corey Anderson, the wrestler, uh, he was able to set up uh, his takedowns very well. He he put together those chain takedowns, able to get those mat returns, and was frustrating Glover consistently. And and Glover has been slowing down. He's later in his career, obviously. He's been fighting a very long time. Uh, Corey had youth on his side, um, and it, really, it, it just it was won or lost uh, with the wrestling. Corey was able to um, you know hit those takedowns consistently and uh, and won the fight. So 
yeah, it was a, a good performance from Corey, and, and one that's definitely going to give him a lot of confidence moving forward. I think for Corey, um, he came into this game with not a whole lot of experience, and now getting a big win like that over the number three guy in the world in that weight class um, is only going to give him more confidence uh, moving forward. And Mark Henry said to me, Kenny, that they're 15-1 and one in their last 16. I don't know if that's UFC or just overall MMA, but for that Mark Henry, Ricardo Almeida-led squad, 15-1 and one over their last 16. And, of course, they'll be cornering Eddie Alvarez in the main event this weekend. Yes. All right, final thing on, on the Germany show, and it's going to be a forgettable show in a lot of respects just because a lot of the fights went the distance. But I just wanted a, a, a final thought on Stefan Struve because – at least if social media is any indication, there was a lot of frustration with this performance. And Struve needs to hit the reset button, obviously, and he sort of maybe hinted that he would step away from mixed martial arts and either prevent further damage, and maybe he's exhausted this window. I think it seems very clear to people that he, he's not going to realize a UFC heavyweight championship. Um, and when you see him sort of idling in space and, and not leaning on an educated jab 20 fights into a UFC career... I can understand why frustration creeps in for a lot of fans. Your thoughts on Stefan Struve's effort here in defeat to Marcin Tabora? Yeah, well, this is definitely in line with what I was saying yesterday. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I feel like a guy like Stefan Struve, who came into this game, what, at like 20 years old uh, in, in the UFC, I thought we saw a huge uh, future for him, and I thought he could really be developed well. Again, I don't know if this is a lack of work ethic on his part. I don't know if it's a, um, you know, maybe he, him not clicking with some of the coaches or whatever it is, but Stefan Struve should be way better than what he's showing out there. You know, th that that is uh, clear. He has this huge frame, almost seven feet tall, a long reach, tied with the second longest reach in the UFC, and he's not able to keep guys on the outside. You know, his wrestling should have shown that it was way better. You know, you can't give up take takedowns to a guy like Marcin Tibora like that. You just right. can't. And and, right. and then to be rendered completely ineffective off of your back, I mean, Marcin is, is a good fighter, but if you want to be elite, and this is no disrespect for type to, to, to Tibora, you got to beat guys like that. you mm -hmm. got to beat guys like that, especially if you've been in the game this long um, and have that amount of experience. And... um. You know, I don't think it's a terrible idea uh, for, for Stefan to retire. And he's still young, but at least get something else going uh, in his life that he could start um, because he just hasn't uh, improved the way he should. He, he should be way better as a fighter than what he showed uh, yesterday. And at times I have certainly felt his love for martial arts and, and perhaps – there would be some coaching in his future or he just wants to step away from completely right i mean i don't i don't know that he has the bug for any of these individual arts the way you do for jujitsu it was going to be a cornerstone of your life from the day you first hit a mat right you just sort of get that bug i i don't know we'll see but he seemed to hint that he wanted to sort of step away completely and uh would be hard to argue, I think, with that line of thinking based upon recent results, but just a really good guy and a guy who a lot of people thought he could maximize his utility and his seven-foot frame and really um, cause some headaches in the heavyweight division. Instead, he's been on the wrong end of a lot of those headaches. But a uh, good show in Germany. It's going to be remembered, obviously, for Anthony Lionheart-Smith and, and happy for him and what he was able to accomplish there over the weekend. But Calgary beckons to that end. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So Ken Flo is catching fire, ladies and gentlemen. Team Anik led it 88-77 heading into Hamburg. I don't know if it's Hamburg or Hamburg. They went Hamburg on the telecast, which makes me think that's what it is. Didn't do the right prep today. So you went head-to-head -head with Ricardo Montero Hernandez. So you're not going to believe this, folks. Ken Flo texted me over the weekend and inexplicably changed his main event selection from Anthony Smith to Mauricio Shogun Hua. So instead of winning the week 4-0, you'll have to settle for 2-0. It is still your third consecutive winning week. Those points, courtesy of Corey Anderson's win, by the way, is underdog over Glover Teixeira. So we are tight here, tighter than we've been in a long time, 88-79. And now we spin it forward, July 28th, UFC Fight Night on Fox, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And with us to make picks today from Northeast Maryland, 
Tommy Phelan is with us. Tom, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are doing well. We appreciate uh, you listening to the show and obviously you hopping on. I know we've had you in the queue for a while, so thanks for your patience. Let's get to this main card. It's a good one coming up this weekend. First fight you will see, at least on the main card on Fox Prelims, might be on Fox as well. Olivier Aubame-Mercier trying to hold serve here. The Canadian gangster on Canadian soil taking on 13th ranked Alexander Hernandez. Tommy, who do you like? Um... They're both coming off huge first first round knockouts, so they can both finish fights. We know that. I think OAM's going to have the edge just with his experience in the UFC. Hernandez is new, um, possible Dundasso practitioner. Maybe fake that uh, the glove touch at the beginning of his fight. Right. But I think OAM's going to bring the beat down in his fanny pack. <laughs> they did. They sent us. Reebok sent us all fanny packs that I will be wearing uh, on weigh-in day there in Calgary. Yes. But you bring up a lot of good points, and a lot of people, too, with Alexander Hernandez will reference that, you know, faked glove touch, and, and he melted Benil Daru shortly thereafter. Uh, Ken Flo, so Obama Mercier is not ranked right now, despite having won his last four. He stopped Evan Dunham. That was at UFC 223 in April. Hernandez is all the rage right now. He's won seven in a row, given the nature of the Daryush win. He's the guy with the number next to his name. Who do you think gets it done here, Obama Mercier or Alexander Hernandez? Um, this is a tough one. I think OAM uh, has a lot more experience. Um, this guy can crack as well. I, just, I think Hernandez is way faster, um, and I think he's got the background in order to stop that grappling and, and kind of, um, yeah, perhaps neuter the grappling of OAM. I, I'm going to go with Hernandez here. I, I think he gets the win. And again, no betting line as yet on a lot of these, so we will adjust the standings accordingly. Uh, also part of what is a banging main card in Calgary, former strawweight queen, Joanna Janjacek, back-to-back losses to Rose Namajunas. Here she draws Tisha Torres. First three-round fight for Joanna since December of 2014. Tisha Torres, Tommy, is obviously right there. She is coming off a loss to Jessica Andrade. How do you forecast this one shaking out at 115 pounds, my man? This one's interesting to me because now Torres is training with Rose, so she'll probably be getting tips, and Rose will be able to tell her some of JJ's weaknesses. Um, as you said, it's Joanna's first non-title fight since Carla Sparza. Um, but I think since it's only three rounds, she won't have to watch her energy. She'll be able to go just all out. Um, I don't think Torres will be able to stop her from throwing her combos and finishing them with the kicks. Uh, it's close to me, I think, with Torres training with Rose, but I think J.J. gets it. All right, Ioana Young, check for Tommy. Kenny, interesting fight in a lot of respects for me. I'm curious how Tisha's going to approach it, if she's going to maybe try to ground things early, but a very interesting fight. I think Ioana will probably be about a 2-1 to one favorite. Some people think it might be more pronounced than that. Your thoughts on what is a very important fight here at 115? Well, one thing I think is for sure is Tisha, Tisha Torres is most likely going to show up. Ioana young Jacek, I just don't know. How is she going to come into this fight confidence-wise, you know, after losing to Rose Namajunas twice in a row? Um, and no shame in that, in that, in those losses. Obviously, Rose, a, a tremendous fighter, uh, really has matured, has so many skills. Um, but for Ioana... Tisha is the type of fighter who can get in and get out, strike, and really frustrate you uh, within 15 minutes. She tends to struggle against people like Andrade. People are trying to take her down. People are trying to wrestle her. Joanna Young-Jacek isn't going to do that. I don't think she really has to worry about that. Um, And Tisha is just as fast uh, as Joanna Young-Jacek, in my opinion. Um, if Ioana shows up with her confidence and is motivated uh, and, and looking to get that belt back, I think Ioana should win this fight. Uh, but Tisha really can pose a lot of problems. Um, I'm going to go with Ioana here. I, I think Ioana will be able to outpoint her. I think it's going to be a closer fight than a lot of people think, though. And again, based upon the betting line, and Tommy, this applies to you as well. Feel free to, to text me, guys, and change your picks as Kenny did a week ago, and Team Anik will fucking take it. All right, co-main event, former UFC featherweight champion, the consensus greatest 145-pound fighter of all time, Jose Aldo facing Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens. Stevens set for his 29th UFC appearance here, Tommy. It looks as though Jose Aldo is going to be the slight favorite here early during fight week. Your thoughts on Aldo and Stevens in the comment? Uh, I think Aldo's going to come out hungry for this one. He, he's the, actually the second champion on this card to lose twice to the same guy, or, well, Joanna, the same girl. Right. But uh, I think he's going to come out hungry. I think he's going to use his timing, his reads, and his counters. 
Stevens can tend to get a bit reckless, even though he does have dynamite in his hands. Um, I think Aldo's going to come in. If he brings the leg kicks to the table, slows Steven de- Stevens down a bit, I think he's going to take it. All right, Jose Aldo for Tommy Kenflo after he combined 15 title fights in the WEC and UFC combined. I just said combined twice. This will be the first non-title three-round fight for Jose Aldo in nearly 10 years, dating to 2009, his first three-rounder in the UFC. This man fought our guy Kenflo, of course. It was October of 2011. Huge spot for your boy Jose Aldo this weekend. Ken Flo, how does it go for him against Jeremy Stevens? Uh, this is a tough one. You know, we haven't really been hearing too much out of the Aldo camp either. Um, listen, he, he lost to a great fighter in Max Holloway. Max Holloway really, um, you know, kind of has his number. Uh, but he has also set a blueprint. You get your confidence from two people. You get it from yourself or you get it from others. And for Jeremy Stevens, the blueprint is laid out. On how to beat Jose Aldo, you have to get in boxing range. You have to pressure him. Um, you have to take away those leg kicks. And if you're able to do that and outbox him, you can win this fight. Now, Jose Aldo can box as well. Um, where Jose Aldo, I think, has failed, especially in that fight against Max Holloway, was with the lack of footwork. You know, because he is faster, because he does have great head movement, he tends to not move his feet sometimes. He gets a little lazy. Um, if he hasn't corrected those mistakes, Jeremy Stevens will win this fight. Um, you know, if Jose Aldo comes with all of his skills and is moving his feet, and if it's the Jose Aldo um, that fought uh, Frankie Edgar in the rematch, then Jose Aldo will win that fight. That was a completely different Jose Aldo who defensively was just on fire. We haven't seen that same kind of defense out of Jose Aldo, so I'm yeah. a little bit worried. This isn't for a title fight. Um, and I don't know if, if Jose Aldo is that same guy. Um, I'm going to go with Jeremy Stevens here. I need the points. I also believe in his power, and also Jeremy Stevens realizes this is his best shot at getting a title shot with a win here uh, on Saturday night. Most definitely is. Jeremy Stevens probably a slight underdog against Jose Aldo this weekend. All right, main event. How good is this? The rematch between lightweight contenders Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Monday of fight week, Poirier is the favorite, minus 150. Eddie Alvarez, the slight dog at plus 120. First meeting, as most of you know, ended with a no contest. Going to get some finality here, I would think, in this series here between Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Tommy, who do you like in the Calgary main event, and how do they get it done? Um, I think Poirier definitely has the crisper boxing. Alvarez tends to wing his punches in there. Uh, they're both tough guys. I think Alvarez might have the better chin, but I think Poirier can stay outside, soften him up with body shots, and get his combos working. He's still evolving. I think he learns from the last fight, and Poirier gets it done. Round five decision. God, Tommy's just all over it. Concise, too. You're a producer's dream. Tommy feeling. Um, <laughs> all right, Ken Flo, Poirier in nine fights since moving up to lightweight. Hard to argue with the results, 7-1 and one with that no contest as well against Eddie Alvarez. Remarkable career for the underground king, Alvarez, former UFC lightweight champion. He's won everything there is to win, and that includes 2018 fight of the year against Justin Gaethje last December. Fight he won by knockout to set up this rematch, which he seemed to be reluctant to take at times. It shall be done Saturday night, Flo. How do you see it playing out? Uh, two major improvements in the game of Dustin Poirier. One, his boxing Two, his confidence, his mental game. This is a different Dustin Poirier. This is a Poirier who truly believes in himself now as a professional mixed martial artist. We, sh- we saw refinements in his game, in his boxing against uh, Justin Gaethje. He was throwing straight punches. He was moving his head. He was defensively responsible, keeping his guard up uh, throughout that fight, which was a very dangerous one. Um, and uh, again, 155 is his weight class. He has proven that time and time again. Um, I think Eddie Alvarez has had a lot of fights. He is as tough as they come, um, but I don't know if he's going to be able to withstand yet another war here against Dustin Poirier. Uh, I think Poirier gets it done uh, and probably gets the finish in and around the third round. Round three, you going TKO or sub for DP? Uh, I'm going to go with TKO. TKO, Dustin Poirier, round three for Ken Flo. And again, if you guys see the prices, Ken Flo, if Jeremy Stevens ends up the favorite, maybe you go the other way with Jose Aldo. So keep that yeah. in mind. Uh, Tommy Feeling, last thing. So I got one guest picker coming up in a couple weeks. He was not a fan of Kenny Florian, and he wants to come on the show and like represent <laughs> my squad. 
you know, we bring on all these guys who are huge Ken Flo fans. He's like, how about bringing someone on who's going to challenge Ken Flo? Um, were, were you a big Kenny Florian fan in his heyday, in his prime? Oh, back in WEC, through his early UFC career, up until he retired. He finished fights and did whatever it took to win. I'm a huge Kenny Florian fan. You put him on the the spot. That's why you put him on the spot. That's why he had to say yes. That's the only reason, Tommy. Tommy, I appreciate it, man. Hey, Tommy, good job today, my man. I appreciate you hopping on, and we'll have you back at some point down the line. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good job. Tommy Feeling with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right, that is going to do it for today. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Pahupa, Marcos Damata. Thanks also to our production crew today, John Hill, Alyssa Green, Jonathan Sia, all carrying a heavy load during Fox's coverage of the World Cup. And to that end, all hands on deck seven days from now. Everybody's coming back. Ben Wasorek, vacation's over. Janko, get back in the studio next week. We will all be live in our Los Angeles studio. I bought a tube of Vegemite on Amazon this morning. Yes. Yes. So it is It is on its way to Venice. No, I, I'm sending it here, Kenny. But if it doesn't arrive, you might have to get a tube of Vegemite. All right. And then I guess we just need a slice of bread, and then it will be up to you next week, live and in color, to determine how much Vegemite I will consume. But layered. we just it's need bread. And, yeah, yeah I, I don't even know what to do. I'm going to hold my nose and uh, – I'm going to get a chaser of some kind. But we're excited to uh, to pay off the bet next week. Thank you all for listening. For Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. We will talk to you in less than seven days live from Los Angeles. Until then, Calgary awaits. Enjoy the fights on Fox. See you later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden. Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.